everybody. Tyler Smith here with another More Than One Lesson mini-sode. Uh, this time, we are going to be talking about uh, the uh, the best of pi- the best picture of 2015 for our Best of Pictures uh, series. Uh, so, as we mentioned before, it was uh, basically a three-horse race between The Revenant, Spotlight, and The Big Short. Uh, my, my co-host, Josh Long, predicted Spotlight. I predicted The Revenant. Turned out to have been Spotlight. Well done, Josh. Thank you. Do I get like a gift basket or something? Nope. Yeah. All right. Well. And I will say this. Uh, it was a sur- By the time they announced Spotlight as Best Picture, big surprise. It was kind of a surprise because it was just the one award before that, right? Yeah. Screen, uh, Picture and screenplay. Yeah. Uh, our friend Scott, who was there, uh, said that that has not happened since 1952. Yeah. So, like, they they tend to like to give like okay, we're giving you best picture. We get we have to give you at least two more, uh, two yeah. more Oscars. Usually, like even if it's like editing or something like that, um, they, they less than three is very rare. Hmm. Um, you know, it looked like it definitely looked like there was some momentum for the Revenant where it, yeah, know, cinematography director After and actor cinematography director and actor. You were like, I yeah. knew that's the way it's gonna go. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, an odd, a very odd development. So, uh, now we've done a whole episode about Spotlight, so there's not much. So I'm not talking about what I thought of that movie. Oh my. I refuse. Okay. So instead we're going to talk about The Cobbler. Did you see The Cobbler? (laughs) I didn't. I did. I had to review it for the site. Yeah. Do I still have it or did I get rid of it? You should have gotten rid of it. I do not have it. It would appear I got rid of it. I was, I was explaining... To my, my to my wife, what Megan, what the uh, story of that was, and it's kind of laughable. Like the thing is, okay, so I forget what class I was. Oh, I was in a Michael. Uh, sorry, I was in a Michael Powell David Lean class where I first learned about the concept of magical realism in in film, and uh, that's what the Cobbler is like. It's a magical realism film with more than a little bit of Capra in there. Um, that it could have been really interesting. It could have mm. been really great, but every chance they have to make a right decision, they make a wrong one. Yeah. Um, and it winds up just being a real mess of a film. Is that up to and including the casting of Adam Sandler? Cause casting an Adam Sandler make Adam Sandler. And it makes me think like, Oh, it's another thing like click or something where it's Adam Sandler is given a magical ability which makes him learn more about his life. It's definitely uh, based on the cover of the, uh, you know, based on the poster and stuff, they definitely make it look like it's more that, but this is more Spanglish uh, punch drunk love Adam Sandler, where he's very quiet. Uh, He's not the Sandler that we have come to know and know. (laughs) Um, and so, uh, yeah, his performance isn't bad. Again, there's a lot, there's a, like all the elements are there. They just mixed them up all wrong. <laughs> um, but, uh, I don't know, maybe Tom McCarthy had to get it out of his system so we could talk about spotlight. Um, so yeah, again, we did a whole episode about it. Um, I think I like it more than you do, although I believe it, it was in your top 10 of the year. I think it was. Um, and I've watched it. Uh, I since purchased it. I actually bought it the, did I buy it the day of the Oscars? Uh, I think I might have. And not knowing that it was going to win, very exciting. Um, 
And so I rewatched it basically the once we recorded about the Oscars, Jen had gone to sleep, everyone was gone. So I threw it in and watched it again. And uh, it's a very watchable film. Um, very well written. Perf- great performances all around. And I think I'm a sucker for journalism films. Do you like journalism films? Yeah, not so much. Yeah, to me, it's like, uh, you know, last week with Risen, we were talking about procedurals. Like a, a journalism film is not far from that, where yeah. we're working towards the truth, whatever that might be. Yeah, and it's the same thing, like with All the President's Men. I I totally recognize that that's a good movie. There's a lot of stuff I enjoy in it, but it's it's probably one I'm not going to revisit unless mm. I have to for some reason. You, you had know? me, then you lost me. When you were talking about it, you recognize it's a great film, and then you said you're not going to watch it again. Again, see... You were you were on the right track, uh-huh. and then you then what just, happened? You completely derailed. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, I do think I'm you never going to get where I need to go. I do think you should watch all the presidents men again. I think you'd actually, from a filmmaking standpoint, mm. it's from a filmmaking standpoint, it's, it's definitely better than Spotlight. Like the paranoia that they're trying to uh, uh, engender in all the presidents men uh, is. Very palpable. Whereas, whereas, like from a lighting standpoint and all that, spotlight is very straightforward. Uh, there's almost no style to it. Uh, there's some camera movements here and there that are effective, but for the most part, yeah, it's it is a it is a writer's and an actor's movie, mm-hmm. um, and an editor's movie. Now that I think about it, um, because there needs to be forward momentum. And we have a because it's an ensemble cast, and we need to have an idea of who of what everybody is doing, um, and not spend any spend too much time away from any one person. Uh, and so I believe Spotlight, yeah, it was nominated for editing. Um, it was not going to win against Mad Max, uh, but yeah, it's uh, I think it's a very effective film, and one that um, I was saying this on BP recently that. I feel like Spotlight is very accessible, maybe more than it should be given the given the the content. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But at the same time, if it's a movie that they want people to see, they want people to know the content, um then making it accessible is probably a good thing. But what I had what I had thought about was that Spotlight is a movie that I, I feel like I will casually throw in from time to time, just mm. as I do all the president's men. Um, and it feels like I should not, I should not be able to casually throw in <laughs> a movie about a uh, child rape. Maybe you just like to bask in the glow of other people's misery. Well, I know that's true. Um, cause then it distracts me, you know, cause I can look at that and say, well, at least I'm not that. Yeah. You like to watch like this, the first half of Schindler's List and be like, well, time for bed. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm going to go lay down next to my beautiful wife and get a good <laughs> night's sleep. Then maybe I'm going to pet my cat tomorrow. Suddenly things and, are looking pretty good. Wake up and take a shower. Um, maybe I'll go to the gym. Maybe not. <laughs> I have the option of working. Um, so, yeah. So that was kind of a thought that I had about Spotlight. Maybe that it's... <sighs> Perhaps the reason that it is so easy to watch is because it is a little bit bland. 
I don't know. What do you think? It, it could be. I mean, one of my criticisms that I had of it is that it doesn't feel like there's enough of the, the threat never feels strong enough. Yeah. Uh, of the danger of the, the Catholic church. And I guess for me, the threat, I don't feel like the, the reporters are ever threatened and maybe mm-hmm. that's, maybe that's to the film's detriment. Um, it feels like, well, the threats already happened. The threat is to, uh, is to these kids or these adults that have been hurt mm-hmm. uh, when they were, the, when they were children um, or kids now, like that's the threat. It's on, like, it's not, it's not going to come back on these reporters. Yeah. You know, they are fairly safe. Yeah. And so, you know, there's, there's sort of an arm's length quality, even though a lot of them grew up Catholic, they grew up in this city. If anything, their engagement is what they could have done in the past. That's Michael Keaton's whole thing. Mm-hmm. What he could have done in the past, that is their level of, in, of involvement here. Like, they are not they are not going to, they're not in danger of being molested or, Mm -hmm. or the paper being shut down or anything like that. So, but I think the film does set up that that is a threat because like you had, there's people in the film being like, Oh, they're going to come after you. And they don't come after them. Yeah. It's, but, and that's, I don't think that's the major narrative thrust of the film. And I, I think that's good because that's wouldn't be that believable because it's yeah. not factually accurate, obviously. Yeah. Like if something like that did happen, they would have portrayed it in the movie and it would have been dramatically interesting. Um, so like, since that's not the primary dramatic thrust, then I'm fine with that. I, yeah. I feel like, I feel like it would give it some more, I feel like that would add a level of, uh, of excitement through those stakes if that were the case. Right. And, and to me, when they, I guess the the threat, the potential threat of they're going to come after you, it 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 resonates with me when we see, and I feel like I'm just repeating some of the stuff that we said in the actual episode, but yeah. like, um, it resonates with me when when we see uh, everybody the the reporting the spotlight stuff, they're going through these books of like uh, code words. Mm-hmm. of uh, you know sick leave and stuff like that and you realize just how in depth this is and you realize wow this or this institution is really committed to hiding what it has done mm-hmm. or what people within it have done now when somebody says that this institution could come after me whatever that might mean it could just mean legally um that it means something like in that moment, it's just like, okay, well that this suddenly the, this venerable paper looks very small, uh, compared to the organization they're going up against. But it's also tough because, and I don't think this is a flaw. I think this is a, I think this is to the film's credit that, that this organization is represented by a bunch of smiling people, mm. people that are friendly, people that in many cases mean well, and they just don't want to deal with the ramifications of what has been done. Just can't deal with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's what the Cardinal says. Like, oh, it's like a frustrated mom. <laughs> you are on my last nerve. Turn, uh, turn this religion around. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> So, and along those lines, I did want to mention something uh, that, something that I had felt when I first heard about Spotlight, which was this idea of like, ah, I'm not really in the mood to watch this movie that's just going to make fun of belief. 
it doesn't make fun of belief, nor does it make fun of Christianity. And by make fun of, I mean, it does not indict Christianity. It, it indicts what can happen when a, when a belief system becomes a powerful institution uh, that needs to protect itself as an institution. Um, and so I was reading after the film One Best Picture, um, as I am wont to do, because I am stupid. Um, you didn't say I wasn't stupid. That's fine. Um, I'm, you're waiting to hear what I have to right, say. Right. Yeah. Okay. And but it probably this, is that you read some kind of YouTube comments or something like no, that. No, no, somewhere? no. It was uh, it was uh, conservative comments mm. on the best picture on 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 the Oscars. Okay. And you know, as I've said elsewhere, including with you on Battleship Pretension, when we talked about being uh, politically conservative uh, and being a film critic or being interested in film, uh, I do often feel like I'm in uh, stuck in the middle around this time of year mm-hmm. when. Uh, you know, conservative commentator, commentators and bloggers will just talk. They, they will be so dismissive, so dismissive of these movies. And they just said, like, I don't want to watch some movie that's going to bash the church. You know, I don't need Hollywood bashing the church. And it's just like, I recognize why somebody might think that. But at the same time, if the church is doing something wrong, I want to hear, I want to see it addressed. I don't care who, who addresses it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what this film does. And I feel like it's a film that everybody... I would like that person to see it because I want to, because I don't come away from that film feeling that it is saying that people are, are dumb or wrong for believing Christianity or believing in Jesus or anything like that. Um, they only become wrong when they start to hide their sin to the point that it, that it hurts other people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's always wrong to just hide your sin in general, but, um, I don't know. It's 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 clear that other people had the had the same reaction to the film that I did when I first heard about it, which is like, oh, here we go. But it's not that. It is definitely a film that I think is worth seeing, and I think is 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 going to be invigorating, pre- precisely for the reason that you think it's going to be damning. Mm. Um, so okay. We'll go ahead and, and look at... Uh, so the film won Best Picture and Best Original Screenplay. It was nominated for Best Director, Best Supporting Actor for Mark Ruffalo, Supporting Actress for Rachel McAdams, and Best Editing. Um, I probably would not have nominated Mark Ruffalo. I thought his performance was fine. Um, I think I I personally thought Liev Schreiber was better. I thought Stanley Tucci was great uh, as far as supporting. And, I've, and then I thought Michael Keaton was a really... It was probably the lead if the film has one. And I thought he did a great job. So other best picture nominees, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, The Revenant, The Big Short, Mad Max Fury Road, Room, and The Martian. Now there are three movies, three of these movies are in my top 10 and spotlight. So four of the eight best picture nominees are in my top 10. So to me, that means like the Oscars got it kind of right. Yeah. Um, but think, uh, your your favorite of the bunch was Mad Max, obviously. Yeah, that was my number one. Um, Room would have been on my top ten list too, but I hadn't yeah. seen it at the time. Yeah. Um, probably, I probably about midway. Okay, I thought that was a pretty good movie. Okay. Um, yeah, it's weird because like as much as I like Mad Max, it's it's not a Best Picture winner. Like I was saying that to somebody as we're watching the ceremony, it's like even seeing the clips of it, you're like, this movie doesn't belong here. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's 
it's so much more dynamic than the other. It, oh, if yeah. it won, it'd be awesome. Oh yeah. Except you watch those clips like who let this guy in? It feels like someone smuggled these clips in and the audience is like, well, what's going on here? We're supposed to be watching, yeah. uh, you know, some clips from Carol. Yeah. You know, like it feels like if it won that it could have been presented by like, like mortal Kombat characters or something <laughs> like something that just doesn't at all go. It's like yeah. violent and crazy. And you're like, all right, well, I mean, I like it, but yeah. it's not, it just isn't that type of movie. And it's, you know, to me, it's a, a, in a year when people were very critical of the Academy and what they didn't nominate, to me, the the story was, hey, look how much support Mad Max got yeah. from, a, from an organization that is not inclined to support a movie like this. Yeah. Um, you know, it would have been amazing if they had given George Miller Best Director. Um, I think he would have deserved it. Not that. Inuri 2 did a great job. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so... Um, now my favorite movie of 2015 is Brooklyn. I think that's a very effective, very wonderful film. Yeah. I I like that a lot too. We'll do an episode about it at some point. And then, so I've seen all of these and then room is very, uh, is a very strong film. The Martian is, is fun and it's fine. Did you see it? Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Um, I feel like at the time I was saying, I, I wish it felt like more of a struggle for him somehow. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Someone, somebody else made the counterpoint that like, maybe the point is that if someone, that that this is the way an actual scientist would probably react in, in a more, uh, a more scientific and a more measured, more logical response. And maybe that's true. I, I don't know, but like, there's part of me that wanted there to be more of an emotional resonance to his situation, which I feel like isn't there so much. Yeah, I want to see a few more moments of panic. And there's a really wonderful moment when, like, there's an explosion, and now he has to basically put plastic over the door, and that plastic is what is keeping him from th- dying. Yeah. And there's a moment when he's sitting, trying to do his work, and you keep hearing the plastic blow back and forth. And with every with every sound, you see him like bristle and like start to freak out because it's like, okay, I, I just I need to proceed with my work as though this plastic is going to hold. But every time it blows back or for uh, back and forth, it's the reminders like it's a piece of plastic. Mm. And if it doesn't hold, I'm literally dead. <laughs> Moments like that have tremendous resonance and you know and i think matt damon plays them wonderfully um but yeah i feel like the film was a little bit too cavalier about his situation yeah and i'm not saying drop that completely in fact keep the vast majority of it maybe keep all of it but add to it um you know show me that this guy actually understands his situation yeah you know emotionally not just intellectually right um but yeah, uh, now a movie of all these, probably my least favorite of the bunch, it's probably either Bridge of Spies or The Big Short. And I know, but there's still, there are still a lot of things I like about Bridge of Spies and The Big Short. I know that you did not care for The Big Short. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. Um, I'm kind of angry that it won for script. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I, I think there are some... 
I don't know. I think there's some downright stupid stuff in that. The whole, the things that it does with like the like that thing with Margot Robbie in the bathtub, and yeah. then like the Anthony Bourdain thing. It, well, the Anthony Bourdain thing, at least he's illustrating something in a tangible way. Well, yeah. Um, and then I liked the thing. I forget who it was at the at the uh, at the blackjack table. Like that. As far as the cutaway illustrations, that one worked best for me. Mm. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I I I get what they're. I forget who I was talking to about this, but there's a line in um, Citizen Kane where somebody's talking about a rival paper and they're like, ah, oh, that's a pretty good paper. And then Kane says, it's a good idea for a paper. <laughs> and I feel like the big short, while it, it, while certain aspects of it resonate with me, I like Steve Carell a lot. I think he does, he's doing really good work. Um, there are other elements that I like. Um, I feel like so many of the elements, so many of the, the things that, that probably won the film screen, the best adapted screenplay, I think those are good ideas for something, good gra- good a good basis for ideas, but it's almost as though Adam McKay just said, "Hey, what if we do this thing with Margot Robbie in the bath?" Then it's like we're kind of being funny and we're trying to explain. It's like first off, you know that you know nobody's going to understand what you're saying. Mm. Um, I appreciate the illustrations; you're doing okay there, um, but in the end, you're trying to get people as angry as you are and. Yeah, that's the, fine. But I, I think it's so transparent that that's what they're trying to do. That not only are they like, we don't care if we're not really explaining it that well, or like, I, I think part of the problem is that I know enough about the two thousand eight, yeah, financial crash. I know enough about economics that I know all the things that they're either leaving out intentionally or just don't know. Yeah, so it's like part of a story. And whenever you're trying to enrage, this is a problem that I'm sure lots of people have had to deal with in in talking politics or discussing politics or thinking about politics with people is when people are really enraged and they know about half of something, those people are super frustrating. Well, and chances are the half they know about is the half, sorry, the half they don't know about is the half that would probably indict the people they don't like, uh, the people they do like. Yeah. You know, for example... The Big Short puts, we are getting political, everybody. I'm sorry. You can't help but do that when you are talking about The Big Short. Um, Though I'm sure Adam McKay would say it's not a political thing. It is. Um, I think it, The Big Short lays the blame solely at the feet of business and has absolutely nothing to say about the government that allowed this to happen. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in some cases, encouraged it to happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing that I've said is like, I did not hear the words Dodd or Frank anywhere there. Yeah. And it's like, while I definitely believe that there's plenty of greed in the business world, and there are plenty of people that took advantage, uh, and that is not a thing I am happy about as somebody who... You know, I believe that capitalism is not synonymous with greed, but some people, for some people it is. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't like that, but at the same time, let's look at everybody. Let's, if, let's have a real, if you really want to make people mad, you look at every aspect of the system that allowed this to happen, yeah. not just the part that you specifically think is yeah. bad. And I think, I think doing that makes you come to a little bit more of just kind of a hopeless conclusion. <laughs> Because yes, there's so many true. problems all around that it's hard to, you can't say like, here's the people that did it. Here's the greedy bankers that did it. It's a yeah. lot easier to say, 
a bunch of greedy bankers got together and did something stupid because it would make them a bunch of money, which doesn't even really make logical sense. But, uh, but yeah, so th- there's that kind of stuff that bothered, bothered me uh, in it. And again, knowing a little bit more about the, well, I take that back. I was going to say knowing a little bit more about the economics and a lot of that stuff means that those little cutaways I found kind of condescending. Sure. Were like here, here, stupid people. Now we'll explain it to you in a way that even you can understand. But I don't think it's just that I know a little bit more about it. I think it's, that's a choice by the filmmakers to, to treat their audience as stupid. Mm-hmm. And I think they think it's being kind of like, well, we're all kind of dumb. We all don't get this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but ironically, it, am I remembering correctly? That's the same writer who did Moneyball. It's the it's based on the book, uh, okay. You know, and that and honestly, like that could mean any number of things. True. I don't. From yeah. what I hear, you this is not a thing that you can lay at the feet of uh, was name Michael Lewis, I yeah. believe. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, but see, that makes me think of Moneyball, which deals with some very complicated like numbers yeah. and ideas in a way that totally made sense to me throughout that entire movie. And I know less about sports than I do about economics. Well, Aaron Sorkin's a better writer than well, Adam McKay. True. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> and I mean, maybe that's part of it is like that in, in a, a similarly complicated story, a better script is able to, to take concepts that would seem very alien to you. And it, Aaron Sorkin knows how to do that without having to do a dumb cutaway. It's like, here's where we explain this thing. Yeah. He's able to weave that throughout and to make you understand it as you go along. Whereas and in the big short does the opposite of that, which is, is I think both lazy and condescending. Yeah. And in a way it's just like, here's Margot Robbie to explain. It's like, you know, you're already Ryan Gosling, right? <laughs> you know, when this, we had Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, two big stars explaining this and I was good with it. Yeah. I see what you mean. And, and again, it's, Clearly, they thought like, hey, we're trying to understand. We ourselves don't understand this very much. So we're trying to put this in a way that you'll understand it. Which begs the question. So that would be helpful to us. Part of me feels like, wouldn't it be amazing if they actually broke the fourth wall to such a degree that Adam McKay himself is on screen saying, all right, look, I didn't know any of this. Hmm. And then I read this book, you know, so that even he says... I didn't, I didn't realize this. Michael Lewis realized this. Mm -hmm. Like that would be a a very humbling thing. And I know that's a a weird choice, but at the same time, that is more truthful. And I think more humble than to say, all right, idiots. uh, I know you don't care much about this. So uh, here's this uh, naked broad and bathtub saying stuff. Like, first off, I'm not paying attention to what she's saying. I hate to put it that way, (laughs) but, um, you know, it's it's just a again, it's a good idea for a movie. The 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 concepts behind it, it's like they hang on now. Sorry, we can move on from the big short, but it's it's like they they don't trust the audience to such a degree that they have to they have to frill this thing up. Not merely with those cutaways. No, I but th- even just with the breaking of the fourth wall, with with the use of the narration, as opposed to just, did you see Margin Call? Yes. Now that's a film that is like, all right, everybody, keep up. Now you may occasionally have someone say like, all right, just put it in in basic, you know, in you know, speak English. That happens once or twice. 
But even in the in the dumbed down version, the characters are explaining to each other in still a very complex way. You know, I watch Margin Call and I love it. I think it's I, I really responded to it. And that is a screenplay that's just like, hey, I'm I, I can't dumb this down for you. I'm sorry. You're, it's up to you to keep up. Yeah. And yeah, the big short, I think, is not that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I totally agree with you that it's full of things where it feels like it has to keep your attention somehow, yeah. like those cutaways, the the way it's edited, these weird montages to like rap music and stuff where it's it's like all this visual noise and yeah. I, I, I really didn't like that film. <laughs> and it, again, it's frustrating because the elements are there. You have a good cast. You have, I, you know, I, one, I would actually like to rewatch it because when I first saw it, I didn't respond much to the Christian Bale character. And then I actually, I, I watched this, um, this, uh, video so that, that somebody made on Fandor talking about the various performances in supporting actor. And it talked about what he is doing specifically to keep his, to, to make his character distinct in a very specific way. And I thought like, Oh yeah, I guess he is, as an actor is doing some, is some really interesting stuff there. Yeah. And I think Steve Carell is great. I think mm-hmm. he's genuinely great. And there is a scene where he's sitting down with this guy who's very cocky and he's talking about basically just, just cheating everybody. And you can just see the rage just bubbling but he has to keep it under the surface and you just see that. And in that moment, it's like you've got an emotional response to somebody just saying a lot of information. There's no like the humor, like the humor that they use to keep us interested. They're not resorting to that there. There's, there's no cutaways. It's literally a guy is saying information. Another guy's having a, an emotional reaction to it. It's actual movie making. Um, and that and oddly enough, that's the scene I return to mentally over and over again. As that's the scene I like. There are other scenes I like, but that's the one that works the best for me. Hmm. But anyway, okay, we need to move on. <laughs> um, other notable 2015 releases. Now, as tends to happen, I wrote down a lot of them because it's it's recent. It's hard to know yeah. which ones are going to fall off as time goes on. <laughs> um, like this first one, who cares? Star Wars. You know, <laughs> I, I don't remember. Who's going to remember it, that one? Um, you know, movies like Ex Machina, um, uh, Carol, Inside Out, Sicario, The Hateful Eight, Youth, um, let's see, Steve Jobs. Yeah, and, and there are several others, but I just wanted to mention a few that are that are notable that seem, some of them could be best picture-ish. Um, wh- so even you mentioned that your favorite movie of the year, Mad Max, is just not best picture type material. Yeah. Um, so what do you think, you know, are you fine with, with Spotlight winning best picture? And if not, what do you think belonged in there instead? Um. I, I think I'm fine with it. I mean, it's one of those things where it's it's uh, it's got a good ensemble cast. It's got a sort of issues based story. Yeah. Um, it's got uh, it feels kind of high class. Like nothing yeah. about Mad Max seems high class, which no, is fine that's to its credit. Um, but uh, this this feels a little bit like that, um, and it deals with real it deals with real events and um it's big scale enough yeah so it, it like hits so many it checks so many of the best picture boxes yeah. and i feel like it's a pretty good movie so i'm okay with that like i yeah. i don't know that there's anything else here that checks all those boxes that i'm as okay or just as okay with 
the revenant could have won and i think it would have maybe checked a lot of boxes yeah I, I can see that that probably would be the the next closest one yeah um, and i mean when you think about it as far as like old time movies i mean everything brooklyn is kind of a best picture winner you know and i and i don't mean that in an oscar bait kind of way but when i think of you know just those just movies like Terms of Endearment or uh, or even Annie Hall. Admittedly, Annie Hall is a bit more experimental than, yeah. than Brooklyn. But movies like The Sting or Let's Go Back to the Apartment. If you go, or, The further you go back, the more it's like if sure. this movie had come out in 1955, it's oh, a lot. Oh, we got it. We got it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and so... And and I feel bad saying that. I feel like it's I'm 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 bashing Brooklyn, saying that it's that's hey it's a great movie. Sixty years ago, like that's not what I'm saying. But yeah, um, no, no, I, I agree. I, it's still I think it's still a good movie. And it won a surprising number of critics awards. Did it? That's cool for picture director, actress, adapted screenplay. A lot of the time, and most of that I think is it, it's a good script. Like it's it's, it's a, a great script. I love it's a script. solid script with some good performances and. Uh, yeah, yeah. You had something to say. We're gonna talk. We're gonna. We're gonna talk bad about my precious Brooklyn. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. No, I think I was gonna say one drawback I can see with a little bit is I. I feel like there's not. Uh, I feel like the Tony character. It could be too good. If that makes He's sense. too good. I feel like you could see him as too mm. good, and in that, and uh, one dimensional in that way. I don't think he is one dimensional, but I don't think he is either. Be because he's very like you know he doesn't have a moment where it's like he turns out he's a murderer or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> um because he doesn't have like a reveal where it, you see his bad side or something yeah. he, he's just he's a pretty positive character all around yeah. now um i don't know i feel like in some kind of high drama or something really genre you need more of that in something that's character piece drama i'm kind of okay with characters like that and i feel like we don't see characters like that very often that's that's the thing that i that i said uh in the bp top 10 episode is that one of the things that strikes me about brooklyn is that you have a bunch of decent people who all are trying to be good people and yet conflict still arises yeah because i would say in life most everyone you meet is going to try to be a decent person. Now I'm not, I'm not contradicting Christian theology and saying that like people are not fallen just because they're trying to be decent. That's it sounds like I mean. you're saying people are generally good. I'm just saying we don't need God. All right. <laughs> I'm just saying Jesus died for nothing. Anyway, the point is, um, thanks Brooklyn for <laughs> making me realize that best picture. Um, but no, uh, it's the, most people will try to be decent to the people around them and they will try to live normal, good, happy lives and yet somehow just the nature of life whether it be things that happen that you don't expect like the loss of a loved one or whatever or just people trying to do what they think is best for themselves but not even necessarily doing it in, in out of selfishness but just trying to live their lives conflict arises in brooklyn from that from you know, a combination of, of things of, 
you know, oh, well, I want to get it. I want to get a specific type of job, but maybe I'm not good at it. And then like, oh, I I met this guy and uh, but there's issues with his family, but they're not bad people. They're just very protective. And then, oh, my gosh, a loved one has passed away. I need to go back home. And while I'm there, people are going to love me and welcome me because I'm back home. And in fact, eh, it's kind of nice being back here like just all of these are they're all good things they're all good things but they might not be good well that's yeah (laughs) but like it's actually possible for something to be good in an abstract sense but not good for you yeah and that's what brooklyn is about and it's i love it i love that so much yeah um you know, my, oh, and by the way, my uh, second favorite movie of last year was Bone Tomahawk, which is a uh, <laughs> super violent Western horror. Um, that's who I am these days. Uh, and then uh, two slots, da- two slots down from that Paddington. Um, so, uh, yeah. And so looking at these other things, um, I-, I thought Carol was a very good movie. It's actually grown on me since I first saw it. There's a lot of good in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it's beautifully shot. Um, r- really well acted. I think that's a pretty good script, too. Um, so looking at the, the films, I think a lot of people were surprised it wasn't nominated, uh, for picture, including me. Um, yeah. And then I'm a big fan of Creed. Did you see Creed? I didn't see it. I think you should. You like Rocky. Yeah. It's, it's pretty solid. And then I like Philadelphia too. So there's that. You mean the movie Philadelphia? Yes. This is not like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Sorry. Adonis Creed does not have AIDS and is <laughs> and is choosing to punch it out of himself. That's what I thought it was. No, I thought he and, and uh, Rocky had like a thing going. Oh, wow. And then one of them gets AIDS. Isn't that what this movie is? <laughs> you know what? Now that you mention it, I guess it could be interpreted that way. Um, so, and then... Think uh, about it. <laughs> and there's movies like uh, Joy, which I really liked and very few other people did apparently. Um, the Hateful Eight, I enjoyed Youth. Um, yeah, by and large, I, I'm a big fan of Steve Jobs. Not everybody is, but I really like it. Uh, the aforementioned Bone Tomahawk, <laughs> seek it out. I just bought it on Blu-ray. Um, yeah, so by and large, I think this was a pretty good year. Um, there are a lot of movies that just really resonated with me. At the very least, looking at the slate of Best Picture nominees, I think that's a pretty good slate for the most part. You know, you've got... Brooklyn, The Revenant, Mad Max, Room, Spotlight, The Martian is, you know, it's a it's a big budget blockbuster that is I don't know uh, fairly mature and I don't know it's a, it's a crowd pleaser. There's nothing wrong with that, and it's and it's good pretty much all the way through. Mm. So, um, and then I don't know if Bridge of Spies needed to be in there, and I don't think the Bridge short, Big Short should have been in there. Yeah. So, um, I tell you who else along with us does not care for the big short is, and again, I still like it more than you do, but, uh, our friend Pat Healy apparently is yeah, he very much that against that movie. Uh, I be, and I don't know why the next time I see him, I'd be curious to know, yeah. uh, what he does or does not like about it. Um, so yeah, uh, spotlight, um, is a movie that I really like, I really respond to. Um, if somebody said, Hey, I'm going to watch spotlight to go back to a thing that we've talked about in past uh, Best of Pictures episodes, uh, if someone said, I'm going to watch Spotlight, I would definitely not warn them away from it. I would, I'd say avoid it at all costs. Burn your eyes. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> They're sacrificing a lot to in order to not yes. see Spotlight. Well, you got to be careful. You might see it by accident. 
That's true. You could walk, you know, you're walking by a department store and yeah. they're playing spotlight in the <laughs> there window. There it is in the window. And those, uh, you know, they're, they're black and white sets in the window. Mm. Somehow I'm picturing the 1950s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, I mean, I would, I would, I would not warn anybody away from it. I would probably recommend it to a lot of people, but I would say like, just a heads up, you're not going to see any like really awful content, but we're dealing with some pretty harrowing stuff. So just be ready for that. But it is still a very, very good movie. So it's a movie that I, I, I think everybody would, it's hard to say enjoy, but I think everybody would feel engaged by. Mm. So, um, okay. I think we will leave it there next week. I believe, uh, Robert will be here to talk about hail Caesar, the Coen brothers film, which I'm very eager to talk about. Uh, in the meantime, thank you everybody for listening. Josh, thanks for being here. You're welcome. And we'll get you next time. Bye. <laughs>